Season 1, Episode 8. Did you know that Edward Boucher was the first Black person to receive a PhD in America? And not only that, but he was the sixth person of any race to receive a PhD in this country. However, even after graduating with high honors and achieving such a monumental accomplishment, the color of his skin kept Edward from having a career that many of his peers pursued after graduating. This is the story of Edward Boucher, and Black History Moments is a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of those that I feel like may have been forgotten in our history books or whose stories that we just don't hear as often as others. My name is Shakira, and I am the host, and we will get into Edward's story right after this break. All right, so let's hop into this week's episode about Edward Boucher. Edward was born September 15, 1852, in New Haven, Connecticut. His parents' names were William and Susan Boucher, and they were well-respected and well-connected within the African-American community in New Haven, Connecticut. So both of his parents were in some form or way connected to Yale. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the name Yale. It may ring a few bells. Um, So yeah, both of them worked in some regard at Yale University. His father, William, he was a former slave. And now, you know, he has this family. So he starts working as a janitor at Yale. And he was also a deacon at the New Haven Church, which was an African-American church at the time. And his mom, Susan, she did the laundry for Yale students. So Edward had three older siblings, three older sisters. So he was the youngest of all four children. And he was the only boy on top of that. He was the baby boy. So this family, the Boucher family, they were extremely active in their local church and they were definitely active in the local abolitionist movement and his parents William and Susan they did not play (laughs) they have you ever heard the um saying I'm not sure if it's just a southern saying a southern American saying um they didn't play the radio that was Edward's parents now if you aren't familiar with that saying when someone says she doesn't play the radio or he doesn't play the radio it just means that that person doesn't play any games that person is serious about whatever it is that they are talking about so his parents did not play the radio when it came to an education for their children although neither one of them were able to receive an education they always instilled it in their children that they needed to further their education so At this time, the local public schools were segregated. This is the, this is 1852, okay? And by the time he is of age to attend school, this is around, say, 1857, 1856. So in elementary school, Eric Boucher attended the Artisan Street Colored School. That was the name of it. And As a whole, the school had 30 students of all grade levels, but in total, it was 30 students and the school had one teacher. Can you imagine having kids in elementary school with 30 students ranging from the age of five years old, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe 11 years old, and you are one teacher in one classroom trying to teach all 30 students at one time? I really tip my hat to educators at that time because I am sure that it was no small feat. However, 
he was attending this school that had 30 students of all grade levels and one teacher. But in 1868, he was accepted to Hopkins Grammar School. At this time, that school was very prestigious. It was private. It was a preparatory school. And it was known for sending its graduates to Yale College. Again, this was before it became Yale University. So he got accepted into this school. And at this school, he received a classical education. He studied Latin. He studied Greek, geometry, algebra, and history. And he graduated the valedictorian of his class in 1870. He was the first in his class in 1870 when he graduated. He was extremely intelligent, so smart, and everyone knew it. Now, being that Hopkins is known for sending their graduates to Yale, he entered Yale the fall of that year, the fall of 1870. He became a Yale student and On some records, it is said that Edward was the first black student to enter Yale, but that is not necessarily true. He may not have been the first black student at Yale, but he was the first black student to graduate, the first to graduate from Yale. Um, Citing records from Yale itself, they refer to him as the school's first African-American student. However, back in 2014, they found records that showed otherwise. Several scholars and writers, including some at Yale, found that three men who they thought were white, who actually preceded Boucher Edward at the school, um, Moses Simon, who was the class of 1809, Randall Lee Gibson, class of 1853, and Richard Henry Green, he was in the class of 1857. They all appear in the school records as, quote, Negro, Black, or Mulatto. Um, But Edward Boucher is known as the first Black student to graduate from Yale, although he wasn't the first to be accepted from Yale. So while he's in school at Yale, he's living at home still, and he is dedicated to his studies. He is devoted to getting the information, to furthering his education, and learning as much as he can. And so he graduates four years later, June 1874, and he graduated the sixth person in his class of 124 students. Again, no small feat. He was extremely intelligent. He knew his stuff. And being that Edward is receiving all of these accolades at the time and he is achieving so much as a young black man in the 1870s, a lot of eyes were on him, including the eyes of a philanthropist out of Philadelphia, and his name was Alfred Cope. He recognized that Edward was interested in science. Now, Alfred, the philanthropist, he was on the board of managers for the Institute for Colored Youth. The IC, abbreviated, was one of the few places in the city where black students could get a formal academic high school education. And he helped build up the science program there. So as he's seeing all of these things that Edward is accomplishing in his mind, he's like, hmm, I could bring him on board to help educate these black students on the staff. But before recruiting him as a teacher for IC or the Institute for Colored Youth, he encouraged Edward to continue his education. And he actually paid for his graduate education at Yale College. Now, Edward went back to school with the encouragement of Alfred Cope. And he spent two more years there completing his studies in chemistry, mineralogy, and physics. 
And in studying for his PhD, his original research was about geometrical optics. I have no idea what that is. I'm not going to lie. But his dissertation was entitled, quote, on measuring refractive indices, end quote. And two years after entering the program, he completed his PhD in physics. So with Edward's credentials, after graduating and all of his accolades from being valedictorian of his high school class, from graduating sixth in his class of 124 students from Yale College, from being the first African-American person to receive a PhD in America, you would think that the doors would fly open for him. Now, many of his peers Those who had graduated with him were immediately able to go on and obtain university positions as faculty members, as professors, but the same could not be said for Edward. Despite how smart he was and everything that he had accomplished, when he looked for employment after graduating, um, he wanted to become a teacher. He received rejection upon rejection upon rejection from every single university and college that he applied to because of the color of his skin. Because he was a black man, he was not judged on anything else besides the fact that he was black. So here we have this brilliant physicist, not just in Philadelphia, not just a brilliant physicist for the pool of people in which he resides, but brilliant in America, right? Um, And he found himself being stuck. And I hate to use the word stuck because it's not like technically a bad thing, but it is a bad thing. If you get what I'm saying, he was stuck with having to teach at all black high schools. Um, He couldn't teach in the university system where white students were being educated. So in the fall of 1876, Boucher went to teach at the IC, at the Institute for Colored Youth, where Alfred Cope, remember earlier who encouraged him and actually paid for him to go back to school, He went to teach at the IC where Alfred Cope was on the board. And that's what Alfred wanted to begin with. That's why he told Edward to go back to school. And I can almost imagine that Alfred Cope could kind of see what would happen to Edward. I think that he knew that Edward would be able to achieve um, being the first black person to receive a PhD in the country, but he also knew that even with those accolades, even with that accomplishment, he still wasn't going to be able to teach where he wanted to. So he kind of, you know, encouraged him to come to the IC and teach these black high school students. Now, while he is at the IC, not only is he, you know, just a teacher, right? He becomes the head of the school's new science program. So in addition to teaching physics and chemistry, which was like his concentration, he also taught classes in astronomy. He taught classes in physical geography and he taught classes in physiology. So he was an advocate for improving the science education among black students. And he would repeatedly ask the board of managers for the school to provide laboratory space for these students to perform individual experiments for them to get hands-on experience with the things that he was teaching and in addition to you know his regular teaching duties he also gave lectures on different scientific topics for staff members and students and he reached out to the community to give public lectures on science he loved science that much that he would educate the public about different
different scientific topics. So he was a teacher and an educator at the IC, the Institute for Colored Youth, for 26 years. However, around 1900, a lot of black young people were being pushed into vocational and technical training. Instead of receiving, you know, an academic education, hitting the books, they were being told that they needed to go and learn skills. So if you are familiar with different black leaders, Booker T. Washington's name may ring a bell for you. He had this approach. He was a huge advocate for this. Um, He wanted for black people to go and learn trades, to go and learn different skills. And he felt that we were better suited for that. And we will, I guess, rise a little bit quicker in American society if we had more skills instead of relying on books and a formal education. So because of this, Boucher um, was fired. He lost his job because in 1902, the IC managers, they decided that the school would just give up academic subjects and they would just shift their focus entirely to industrial education. So with this shift, Edward was out of a job. Now, he spent the next several years of his life going around the country, having different teaching positions here, teaching positions there, but it was nothing like the IC and the consistency of him working at the IC for 26 years. But he returned to New Haven, Connecticut, to the house that he grew up in, actually, where his mom was in 1916 because he was in poor health and his health was starting to fail him. And he actually died two years later in 1918, right there in the house that he grew up in. And he was 66 years old when he passed. He was survived by his mother, who died two years later, two years after him, in 1920. And she was 102 when she died. We don't know much about Edward as far as his inner thoughts about the different challenges that he faced as a black man, as an academic, and how he felt about the different accomplishments that he achieved in his lifetime because he didn't leave behind any journals or any notebooks or anything like that. So I thought that this story was important to share, not only because it is something that different academics may not know. I know when I was talking to a few of my friends about Eric Boucher, friends of mine who have received their PhD, I would ask them, do you know who he is? And they would say no. And I'm like, well, he's kind of the reason that you are able to have a PhD right now. He was the first black person to do so. And not only was he the first black person to receive a PhD in America, he was only the sixth person period in America to receive a PhD, right? So like black or otherwise, he was the sixth person in America to receive a PhD, the first black person to receive a PhD and the first black person to receive a PhD in physics. So I thought Edward's story was interesting, you know, to me, because he was the first black man to do that, but also because it's not a name that we know. It's not a name that I had heard throughout my entire life until I was doing research on him and reading up on his life. So I wanted to share it with you all, but also because I want to encourage you all to write in notebooks, to write about your innermost thoughts and feelings because who knows, you could be making history right now and it would be extremely beneficial a hundred years from now for someone to be able to know what you were feeling at the time. I will leave it at that. I hope that you all have an awesome week, an amazing week ahead of you. Share this episode if you found something enlightening and if you want someone to 
learn something new about black history something that they may have never heard before about a person that we don't hear about often or at all so remember that you too are black history and i will see you guys next week in a new episode of black history moments bye guys